Do you ever trip? You just walk. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, sometimes your mind isn't keeping up with your body or your body isn't in sync with your mind. I have three kids, and constantly I'm like, Ugh. you know, they're running so fast, and they run over rocks, and it's like their bodies are not developed. They haven't developed the muscle memory yet to know, like, when you're sliding or when not to slide. So uh, we have a lot of first aid kits in our car, in our house, another area of our house, in another area of our house. Our kids are tripping and falling all the time. But there are some places where if you trip or fall, are a little bit more dangerous than others. Do you know what I mean? Um, for instance, the Grand Canyon. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you do not want to trip right there. You do not want to fall right there. And so it's like, we went to Horseshoe Bend recently, and it's like your army crawling up to the edge, you know, like peering over the edge just for a second, like, oh my gosh. And, and then you, you, you go backwards, and um, yeah, you do not want to fall at the Grand Canyon. Add that to the list of things not to do. Train stations, subways, <laughs> you do not want to trip and fall when that, Subway is going uh, through there, and actually, this is a picture of, of London. The tube is what they call it, because they have funny names for everything. Yes, Sam, I'm sorry. Sam is from there. <laughs> they have funny names for everything. But the tube, and then if you're standing here waiting for the tube, there's, there's something that plays, and it, gets, and it gets, like, burned into your memory. It says, mind the gap. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. Mind. <laughs> what they're saying is there's a gap between the, the landing and the tube. Okay? You don't want to get stuck there. You don't want to trip there. You don't want to fall and get hit by a train and die. Right? All, none of us want that. And so they blare this. Have you heard it? Have some of you heard this? Been in London? You've heard it? If you have, you, you don't forget it. It's just such a simple, clear statement. Mind the gap. Now, we don't use that. I, my mom used to say, mind your manners. But we don't really use that word mind as, as kind of an action word anymore, a verb. And, and so what it's really saying is pay attention. Pay attention. Watch out. Don't die. Mind the gap. And that's the series that we're talking about the next few weeks. Mind the gap. That's going to be playing in your, in your mind, <laughs> just like that song that you said. Is it mind the gap? Uh, or, or this. Maybe you've asked yourself, you know, what was I thinking? You've looked back on things you've done in the past. You said, what was I thinking? thinking. This happens all the time for me. It's like, it's 930. I'm not quite tired enough. I'm not ready to go to bed. So I turn on Netflix and watch a two-hour movie. Like, what was I thinking? Like, of course I'm tired the next day. And uh, I I apologize to my wife. This is a perfect example. So what was I thinking? And and I'm sorry, honey, I love you. But this story comes up a lot in our house because it's a perfect example of minding the gap and 
what was I thinking? My wife, when she was 16, just learned to drive a car. And uh, she goes to fill up the car with gas, fills up the car with gas, heading home, and the car starts, boom, boom, boom. She can't figure out, like, what's going on. And somehow she's like, oh, you know, my car is broken. I don't know what's wrong. And she makes it home. And she says, Dad, like, there's something wrong with my car. So her dad drives it. He's like, yes, there's something seriously wrong with your car. We need to get this thing to a shop. So they have the car towed. They go to the shop. They end up calling later and say, we'll have to figure out what's going on. And the guy says, yeah, there's diesel fuel in this car. Oh, you mean the green nozzle you're not supposed to put in a regular automobile? Yeah. Oh, we should have, we should have, we should have reminded, and we should remind, you know, if you're about to drive, right, like, don't put diesel fuel in a car because it will ruin the engine. What was I thinking? <laughs> in the same way, some of the things that we put into our minds are not good for us. Some of the things that we allow into our, our bodies and our minds and our thought life are, are not good for us. It's a felt experience. We have trips where we fall, regrets. You have a gap in your life. You have moments where you're like, I, I, I don't know, it's a human experience. What was I thinking? Why did I do that? Why did I do that? You have a gap in your life. I have a gap in my life. And God does not want us to live our lives with gaps. And there's a gap in our life that if we're not careful, it will kill us. It will destroy our lives. We all have this. What is your gap? And it's probably a lie you've believed or an assumption you've been living and Apostle Paul, he wrote most of the New Testament that we have, and uh, he was a Jewish rabbi, and if you know his story, he was standing there when people were killing Christians. He stand, stood and just watched and allowed it to happen. And he lived one sort of way. And then he had an experience in which he changed. A Damascus Road experience. And so Paul had to start changing the way he thought. Changing what he thought of as reality. And we have these same experiences. Maybe you've got your ticket, right, so to speak, at the train station. And you're like, I'm all in on this Christianity thing. I got my ticket. But there are still imminent threats for you to get to your destination, right? There's still a lot of things that we have to watch out for. And Paul experienced this, this transformation. And that same Paul, writing to a church in Ephesus, says, says this, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, Cameron. Don't, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you 
to do. You see, he's tying this transformation, this living, these actions that he's, he's living out to his thoughts. Yeah, don't, don't live like that. But those who are wise, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand. It's, it starts in the mind, starts between our ears. And then the message version says this, Eugene Peterson says, so watch your step, right? So m- we could put mind the gap. So mind the gap, use your head, make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly and unthinkingly. Now, remember, he's talking to Christians in Ephesus. Don't live carelessly and unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. You see, sometimes our, our thought lives don't catch up with where we believe that we are. Uh, and, and to prove my point, research shows that 40 to 95% of our day is made up of habits. Now, I'd argue that 95% of the day are probably those people that aren't getting out much. They're just doing the same thing every single day. But let's just say about 50%, roughly 50% of our day is autopilot. Ooh, that's interesting. About 50% of the day. Do you ever end up somewhere? And you're like, I, I don't even remember how I got here. Sometimes I end up in the church parking lot when I was supposed to be driving home. And I'm like, how, how did that happen, you know? I don't know where I took the wrong turn or what I was thinking. What was I thinking? And then um, that's not a bad place to end up, though, if you're going to end up someplace by habit. We have 6,500 ideas every single day. And about 35,000 thoughts that are connected to some sort of action, conscious thoughts. But I want to focus on this ideas, because the ideas ones, those are the ones that are assumptions about reality, is how that can be defined. An idea is an assumption about reality. And the ideas are what guide our life. The ideas that we have are what inform our habits. The ideas that we have are what really change us from creatures of habit into creatures that are doing what we want to do. This is the transformation part of it. We often base our lives on wrong assumptions. Here, here are some wrong assumptions. See if you agree with these. If I just get this, everything will be better. Yeah? If I just get fill in the blank. You know what that thing is. Everything will be better. If I just find him, I will be all right. Or if I just find her, I will be all right. Or if my wife just, or if my husband could just. Here's another one. If I'm happy, then God is happy. Ooh. If I'm happy, then God is happy. Wait a second. God's goal is not for me to be happy. God's goal is for me to have life. And like Don talked about last week, sometimes that silence is the way that God talks to us. That doesn't always make us happy, but that's the way God is going to communicate with us at times. If everyone is doing it, it can't be that bad. Now, oh, come on. We've, we've thought this. You've thought this. Like, you know, there's a, even if you haven't said it, you've thought, like, you know, everybody's 
everybody's doing it, you know, like it, it really can't be that bad. I would say that, yes, you know, what, what, what is really bad is when false assumptions, lies, deceit gets normalized in society. Then, then it's bad. <laughs> when all your friends are saying, yeah, yeah, it's, it's okay, then, then it's hard to resist those ideas. It's hard to change and morph those ideas. And so we need to start asking, why am I thinking about what I'm thinking about this way? Why am I thinking this? Is it just because everybody's thinking it? Is it because this is an idea that I came up with on my own? Where am I getting this? Is this from social media? Is this from a news source? Is this from my parents? Or is it from the source of truth? And that's really what we're talking about today. Finding a source of truth for our lives. Paul says this again. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah, your thought life. You know, it doesn't take any effort at all to be conformed. All you have to do is just wake up and exist, and you will be conformed. But it takes a lot of effort and intention and time and practice to become transformed. But we're called to become transformed people, not conformed people. We're, we're called, Paul, Paul tells us to think wisely, Think with your mind. Use what God has given you to think and be transformed. And here, the, you know, he uses the word world. And uh, in Greek, it's this word cosmos, which is the word cosmos in our English language. Which really, so it has a neutral meaning, which is just the universe, okay? The world. It can, it can mean three things. And number one, it can, mean, it can just mean the universe, okay? We just simply exist. It can have a positive meaning, whereas we can appreciate the McDowell Mountains. We can appreciate the world, the created world, the trees, the oceans, even human beings. But then this word cosmos can also have a negative, and that's what Paul's talking about here. It's, it's like this idea of secular, where you've taken God out of the creation and you've put man kind or humankind at the helm, that's a negative world. That's a secular world. And we live in a secular world. All the voices around us have removed God from all the streams of culture, and they've replaced humans as the supreme in our world. If you, if you didn't realize that, I hope this isn't brand new information for you. <laughs> This shouldn't be brand new information. But the world, in a negative sense, is the world that is dictated apart from or outside of God. I'm in charge. I am the person making all the decisions in my life, which is why I experience incredible amounts of pain <laughs> in moments where I say, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? So Paul, Paul says this, and this is really where we're going to camp out. This is the verse. And Paul, I mean, you, if you just read Paul, in the New Testament, you will see just how important the mind and our thought life is to him. This is kind of like a greatest hits, greatest hits of Paul's topic of the mind. He says this to this church in Corinth. He says, For though we live in the world, 
okay? Maybe that's neutral, okay? Maybe, you know, it's negative. Is it positive? Probably not. Now we look at the context here. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. No, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Have you been on the receiving side of a weapon of somebody in the world? It's painful. The words, the actions, the names. On the contrary, they, meaning the weapons we wage war with, have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So here, no, so this is, this is a loaded passage, but we can start to see, okay, he's talking about, so you're in the world, you exist in the world, but don't be fooled by thinking that just the way the negative world, the secular world around you is waging war is the way that we should wage war. It's not. It's not. You should, you should act differently. And... If you act differently, the way that God wants you to, you have the power to demolish strongholds in your life. You and I have gaps. You and I have strongholds. We have things. This word stronghold is, to, is basically a mighty fortress, an impenetrable prison or fortress. That's the word that this, this means in the original Greek. He's saying we can demolish those things in anything that sets itself against the knowledge of God. You see, when we believe false assumptions or half-truths or lies, we're actually setting ourselves up against God. He becomes our enemy because God is truth. So when we believe assumptions, we work them into our minds, into our lives, it's it's not just that we, we say lies, it's that we actually believe lies. When we start living that way, we are in conflict with who? God. Because God is truth. And God has ultimate truth. So, Paul goes on here. Where where do we go with this? All right, I'm with you. You with me? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. How do we do this? How do we demolish these strongholds? How do we get in alignment with God instead of in... um, conflict with God. We take captive every thought. Now, if there's 6,500 ideas a day, that's 6,500 times that we can repeat the same lie over and over and over and over and over again, or we can begin to take captive those ideas and those thoughts to make them obedient to the way of Jesus. And this is, this is discipleship. That's what we, I mean, we're, we're dis- disciplining our mind to think about Christ. We're disciplining our mind to think about truth and to work that truth into our lives, but it starts where? In our mind. Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which both of those are great memory verses, okay? Do not be conformed, but be transformed. That's an easy one because it rhymes. I like rhymes. Do not be conformed, but be transformed. You've got an arm movement. You can, do, you can say that to your kids by the renewing of your mind. And then this one, 
take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You should memorize that verse. You want to say it with me? Let's say it together. Let's say it, pull that back up. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's where we're really going to hang out here the last few minutes. Because that sounds great, and we should memorize that. We should think about it. We should contemplate it. But how do we do it? Okay? How, what does that look like? So I came up with this, you know, all, everybody has these New Year resolutions. And a lot of times they're fitness goals. You know, TJ ran a marathon. That's awesome. Everybody has these fitness goals that they have. And let, why don't we have some mental goals? Can we have a mental goal this year? So I came up with this word. I have no idea if this is true or not. I haven't looked it up. So um, experts might be like, oh, that actually means something different. But uh, I came up with this term called thought agility. Not physical agility, but thought agility, okay? Not lifting weights physically, even though that's, that's okay. We should do that. We should, we should exercise. We should get out. But should we exercise our mind in our thought life? Yes. And actually, if you ask Paul, he said that's way more important than the physical agility is your thought agility. Because, I don't know, my dad said this all the time when I was, when I was your thought agility. Because, I don't know, my dad said this all the time when I was, when I was a kid. If you think you can't, you can't. But if you think you can, you might. If you think you can't, you can't. And we hear this all the time. We heard this in the games yesterday. Everybody talks about mental toughness, right? You show up for the game. You stick in the game. You're staying in it. You're staying in it. Mental toughness. And where do you get that? You have to train your mind to do that. It's easy when you have a coach. But we don't have coaches for what we're waging war. There's a war waging in our mind, and your coach should be Jesus. I'm kind of your coach today, I guess, if you need a coach. I'm your coach. All right, team. We're going to go out this week, and we're going to have some mental agility. Are you with me? This is your inspiring thought. This is how we're going to do it. We have 6,500 thoughts a day. 6,500. Can we make 6,500 choices? Or maybe even just, let's start taking just just a hundred thoughts a day. Just one thought a day. And let's start doing some agility here. So let's, let's, let's walk through this. Four steps to thought agility and a better life, a better you. Ready? Number one, take a thought audit. A thought audit. Now, the accountants in the room are like, oh, I get that. <laughs> I understand that. There is an auditing process where you start, you don't know what you're thinking unless you know what you're thinking. Am I right? You're like, what am I thinking right now? What is he saying right now? I don't really understand it. So we need to think about what we're thinking about. What are you thinking about? What are the thoughts that guide your day? Now, there are a number of ways to do this, okay? One of my favorite is called a brain dump. You just sit there and you put a timer on, maybe three minutes, and you just write down everything you can think of. You just dump it on a page. Just brain dump. Just write it, write it. Some of you, you know, you, you might turn this into a journal or a habit or there's something you can get into a rhythm of every morning doing some sort of brain dump. Um, some of you are external processors. I know some of you. So you need a friend or somebody to actually communicate. You know, I think that these are the thoughts that are guiding my life. Does this sound right, you know? 
that's, that's okay. But here's, here's one, one way that I have found. It, it matches with the fruits of the Spirit, and you just, I just want you, we're going to play a little game here. It's a little quiz. Okay, I'm, I'm going to bring up the first one. You take the fruits of the Spirit on one side, and you take the opposite, and you just say, let's just say it's a scale of, of zero being on the left side and 10 being on the right side. Are my thoughts... We're not going to walk through all of these. We don't have time to do all of these, but we'll walk through a few of these. And so if you want to write this down or take a picture or do this later, you can do that. But really, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So you have on one side the fruit of the Spirit. On the other side would be, I don't know, the opposite, the opposite of the fruit. (laughs) Loving or hurtful are my ideas and my thoughts How frequently? Is it a 10 out of 10? Are they loving? 5 out of 10? Are they loving? 2 out of 10? Joyful. Joy in the house of the Lord. Man, I'm feeling good on Sunday, but what about Monday morning? Joyful, 10 out of 10, or unsatisfied? I just can't wait for this weekend. Peaceful? Do you have a peaceful life? Or do you have a stressful thought life? Craig Grishel, author of a book uh, that's so great, Winning the War in Your Mind, he says this, our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. There's the book right there. You can, you can get on Amazon. Um, our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So if we can do this thought audit, and what, what am I thinking about? Because that's probably going to inform where my life is headed. John Mark Comer, another pastor, uh, says it this way. What we give our attention to will shape the persons we become. Do you want to be a person marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness? Contemplate those things. Let's work through, just uh, go to the next slide, uh, just so everybody can see um, this thought audit. Go back to the other thought audits. There we go. Am I patient or am I hurried? Am I kind or am I harsh? Am I good or are my thoughts bad? And then the last one. Are my thoughts gentle or are they forceful? My way. Are they faithful? Am I geared toward being a person of faith? Or am I marked by fear in my thought life? Am I self-controlled or am I just reactive? There's a space between our thoughts that we can, we can tap into. And so the first thing is just know what you're giving your attention to. Thought audit. Make sense? Step two. This is fun. This is I spy. With my little eye, something completely false. Spot the lie. Okay? Spot the lie. What about your thought life, as you think through those, what are the lies that you are believing? What is causing you to be living and captivated by fear instead of faith. What, and just, just do this with one. Over time, you can add on more, but just do this. What is one lie? What is one thing that's preventing me from getting to my destination? That's a gap in my life. What is one thing that continues to come up in my mind again and again and again and again and again, and it's preventing me from living the kind of life that God wants for me? Just one thing. What trips you up? Again and again and again. 
what's the lie? My son knocks. I told him this the other day. Actually, it's been a, a few weeks ago. We were watching sports, and the commercials came on, and I just said this offhanded. I said, every single one of these commercials is a lie. There's a lie in them. So I'm sorry if you write commercials or whatever, or you, you know, you're on the commercials, you're, who you work for is in the commercials. But every one of those commercials plays to our desires to get us to buy something. This also should not be new information for you. <laughs> commercials have a lie or a half-truth in them. So we as our family have started to say, when a commercial comes on, what's the lie? What's the lie? And so we were sitting there the other day, and my son Knox leans over to me. He said, Dad, Nationwide is not on our side. <laughs> Spot the lie! What is the lie? What is it telling you in trying to pray? And we have these things running through our brains all the time, and we believe them. We're duped all the time, especially when we get around a bunch of friends that are all believing the same thing. We're duped all the time. So you spot the lie, and this should be fun. What's the lie? What's the lie? Number three, and here's, here's where the real work begins, is replace it with truth. So don't think about Abraham Lincoln. Are you thinking about Abraham Lincoln? Probably, yeah. Now, think about someone you love. You see how that works? It's not just not thinking about something. It's redirecting your thinking. Redirected thinking. And that's where Paul says this in Philippians. He's writing this from prison. He's in prison writing to the church in Philippi. He says, fix your thoughts on what? is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Redirect your thoughts to the truth. Jenny Allen says this, one God-honoring thought has the potential to change the trajectory of both history and eternity just as one uninterrupted lie in my head has the potential to bring about unimaginable destruction in the world around me. The lie just recycles. Let's redirect our thinking to thoughts that God has given us as truth. So, so you know, this is, you really have to do this on your own because, like, I can give you a list here, and we're going to walk through a few, but this is only going to work if you spot the lie and you replace it with truth something that's helpful for you. But I'm just going to give you a couple examples here. Okay? So lie. Lie number one. I'm no better than my last sin. The truth of Scripture is, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Some of you need to hear that this morning. Your sins do not define you. Jesus says no condemnation for you. Let's go to the next one. Lie. I'm unworthy. The truth, for we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. He has created you new in Christ Jesus. Some of you need to hear that truth today. 
the next one. I can't do this. It's too much. The truth is I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Next one. I'm unlovable. Here's the truth. Nothing can ever separate you from the love of Jesus. Death, life, angels, demons, fears today, nor the worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate you from the love of Jesus that's coming after you. Some of you need to hear that truth today. This last one, so I think this has seeped its way into our world. This is more than I can handle. In this world, you, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Paul, to his apprentice Timothy, says this, all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives and correct us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Scripture is the truth. God reveals himself through scripture. His son Jesus is the perfect example of who we are supposed to be. And scripture reveals the truth of Jesus. And so whatever it takes, putting this in your phone, putting a reminder that comes up with the truth, sitting there doing the journal, okay? So this, this, number four, step four in this idea of thought agility is to make it a habit to form new mental maps by repeating this again and again and again and again. What is the truth? Because there is one lie or half-truth or misinformation. There's something that continues to make its way into your life that's preventing you from having the life that God wants for you. We all have a gap. No matter how old, no matter how far along in the journey, we all have a gap. And so that's why we created these tools to help you work God's scripture that points to Jesus into our lives every day. And this week is the perfect time to start. Find a time in the morning, afternoon, evening, and, and just start working through each day. How can I form a habit of healthy thought life, healthy mindfulness? One more quote for you because it's too good. Not to share. John Mark Comer says this. When we curate our attention on Jesus and allow the flow of his thoughts into our minds, then we begin to experience peace, joy, love, compassion for all, his deep pervasive joy, the fruits of the spirit. When we allow God's thoughts, and he has given us his thoughts. He has given you his thoughts. And they're written down for us. When we begin to allow that into our mind, it begins, we're not no longer conformed. We begin to experience transformation. Now as the band comes up, this is a perfect time for you to just practice. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. He's the perfecter of our faith. And sometimes it can feel overwhelming. It's like, let's just find the lie 
find the lie and begin to replace that lie with the truth of God. And as we respond today, as, as the band sings one more song, maybe for you, you need to go and receive communion. Because God has given it to us as a reminder of his truth. Maybe it's an embodied reminder that he has given his body and his blood for you. Maybe you need to just contemplate the cross. The symbol, the greatest symbol ever in the history of the world put there to remind us the truth that God loves you. You are not unworthy. You are not unlovable. Jesus died for you. And as we wrap up this 22 days of prayer, maybe you just need to continue this habit of prayer. And we'd love to pray for you. If you, Maybe there's a thought that just keeps, I can't get past this thing and I need help. Write it. We will pray for you. After service, we'll have our prayer team up here at the front. We would love to pray for you and with you. Maybe you need to reach out to a friend or a pastor this week. And maybe you just sit here and just contemplate the goodness of God because he loves you and he is fighting for you. You don't have to lose the war in your mind. We, can, we are more than conquerors because of the blood of Christ in our lives. Amen.